0: Your people's holding dough, no parole, no rubbers. Going raw, imagine law with no undercovers, just some thoughts for the mind. I take a glimpse into time, watch the flint read, the world is mine. If I rule the world, imagine that. I free all my. The Welcome back to
1: New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. And here we are back in action on Saturday night, which is incredibly rare for us. Right. Usually we're
2: dancing the light fantastic or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But here we but, are. Uh, Do you remember this? You know, they were talking on the video, which nobody can see because it's an audio format. So I should not mention this, but. In the video feed, there's this hole in the drop ceiling, and light comes down. I was thinking we were talking about the the, the sort of sacred <laughs> yes,
2: light. Sorry, oh yeah, about the last podcast. Gonna, yeah, yeah. So, so even here, even in the bunker, even here we have the we're, we have the Axis Mundi. It's going, our own little it's our own little thing going yes, on. absolutely. But, yeah.
1: So today we want to talk about some ideas that are inspired from a Wall Street Journal article which is opening in my Twitter feed right now. I shouldn't have closed it
2: before. And they made a record show, Wall Street Journal article. Sometimes we get accused of... Actually, I think we read broadly. I, lo- I love the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, it's very smart. The op-ed
1: pages on the Wall Street Journal Very smart, are Very smart. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. They're great. Uh, and this is by Yoram Hazoni. Okay. And it, it appeared, I think, last week. And it was... The title is, is Classical... Liberalism, conservative, the subtitles, Trump didn't divide the right. Centuries-old philosophical div- divisions have re-emerged. Hmm. So he starts off by talking about the never-Trumpers and how, from the beginning, that that people ha- were ardently against Trump in the Republican Party. Journalists, academics, think tanks, all sorts of people. Um some have left the party altogether, he knows while others wage kind of guerrilla warfare against the administration. Long time friendships have ended. Ours remains together, despite Yeah, the truth. We, we, we haven't
2: we haven't. <laughs> and resignations tendered. We haven't we haven't succumbed to the spirit of the age.
1: They so he says that, you know, those in this never Trump can't say the cause of the split is the president, that he's mentally unstable, morally unspeakable, leftist populist, a rightist authoritarian, a danger to the republic. One prominent republican uh, told war, this guy. Or
2: F all the above.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one prominent republican told the author that he um, – that he – a prominent Republican told the author that he's praying for Mr. Trump to have a brain aneurysm so that the nightmare can end. That's oh, dark. Oh, wow. That's dark. You
2: know, Say, you know, I've never prayed for a brain aneurysm. No. I've prayed for the Praetorian Guard to poison <laughs> his see, pudding. He's, but... he's kidding, Secret Service. <laughs> hi, Mary. <laughs> no, oh, hi, Mary. No, Secret From Service, Facebook it's Live. on you
1: guys. Right, You're exactly. the Praetorian Guard in this day. Oh, geez. Day. The Secret Service is going to come in. That was a hello. Now, I, I'm, not,
2: I'm not threatening the president.
1: By the way, the Hi Mary was to low to Mary Long oh, okay,
2: yeah. on Facebook Live. Which, By the which, way, we should announce when we're on live that we have an upcoming... Meetup. Live event. Live event. It, a meetup. A new thing we're starting. In- November 12th. Mary, you're invited. NPW Live at the Collegeville The Churchville I'm sorry, Churchville wrong, Wrong the state. Churchville Wrong decade. Wrong decade. Wrong state. <laughs> wrong decade.
1: So... so yeah, so he's, he basically argues that— who, pray,
2: who prays for him to have an aneurysm? I, a prominent conservative. I, I don't know who it is, <laughs> but it's a prominent conservative. Uh, I mean, the, 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 ghost we, of the ghost of William Buckley. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So he says, you know, we have this ideological chasm uh, between these people that were once closely allied, and he thinks that um, there are two principles. He says that basically that he argues that Trump is the effect, not the cause of the rift.
2: I, I think that's true. Well, then you would be in agreement. I would be in agreement. Um, and there
1: are two principal causes of things. First is you have a, a an increasingly rigid ideology that conservative intellectuals have promoted since the end of the Cold War. And the second is a series of events from the failed attempt to bring democracy to Iraq to the implosion of the – sorry, I lost my place there – implosion of Wall Street that have made the prevailing conservative ideology seem reckless to the broader conservative public. And that's really interesting because he cites this – S-A.
2: Kind
1: of like the neocon, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, neocon and most of these neocons were Democrats, like Charles Krauthammer. They started as when well, they were
2: as young men. They were right. They were young men. Right. Yeah. And so he ta- as did Ronald Reagan.
1: Yeah, exactly. The, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. It's not a bad Reagan. Yeah, it's okay. It's not, it's not as fun though. <laughs>
2: no, it's not. As fun.
1: I gave money to the Democrats because I mean, you can't find a Republican in New York. <laughs> The best part of the Trump cast, by the way, from Slate, aside from them, like they get incredible guests, but yeah. was when they have Him. the reading of the, the, tweets, of the, the tweets, <laughs> tweets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah it's very you can, funny. You yeah. can't write anything funny. But so he cites this really interesting 19... 19- by
2: the way, I do a really good Everett Dirksen impression. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Everett Dirksen? Uh, see, that's the trouble. There you go. I like that. He was the majority leader. He was a senator for... Uh, he, he had a very deep voice. Yeah, so I like it. He's from Illinois. It doubles as yeah. Steve Brown. Yeah. he He... He... Science is his kind of paradigmatic
1: example, this 1989 essay in National Interest Journal or magazine by Charles Krauthammer, who's a regular Fox News uh, commentator. And he says, since the Cold War is coming to end, we ought to have this kind of universal dominion, which was the title of the essay, which uh, America would create a Western sort of super sovereign, like a sort of NATO kind of League of Nations, a sort of alliance of liberal democratic states that that basically created the super sovereign that would work together and and mm-hmm. and Kronheimer argues that um that there'd be a conscious depreciation uh not only of American sovereignty but of the notion of sovereignty in general but the that would be the cost, but the upside would be more more peace and prosperity through the dissemination of sort of liberal values throughout the world and He cites how William Crystal and Robert Kagan uh, about seven years later had a had a similar you know um position in foreign affairs which proposed an American benevolent global hegemony <laughs> that would have There's preponderant
2: influence and authority over all oh. others in its domain. Okay, let's, let's summarize what what you're just saying there. In other words, the vision was that, uh, and I actually, this is, I'm about ready to trademark this because I had this, we talked on the phone, you know, uh, really that America was trying to create an empire of influence.
1: Yes, yeah, you did say that earlier today. And, so,
2: and so this empire of influence, and that's part of the reason, I mean, you know, expo facto, you know, what has replaced colonialism is multinational corporations. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Americans are not the only ones doing that, but we certainly uh, led. And that's why now the English is the language of the world, language of commerce. Um, the dollar, so at this point, prior to, <laughs> prior to the two thousand election of 2016, you know, the dollar was seen to be the dominant currency – but I actually think what's what, and I didn't. I'm anticipating. I just skimmed this article, but what Trump is dismantling is the empire of influence. Yeah, yeah, and it, well, yeah. It's interesting too. You had Rex
1: Tillerson before he was Secretary of State uh, arguing against things like Iran sanctions, and now having to defend them as Trump tries to dismantle them. Because <laughs> when he was for the Exxon Mobil, I mean the, the Exxon. Didn't want some of these sanctions and, of course, because they wanted to. Sh- and, and you
2: may want to trace the money why Green Beret were in Nigeria as well. Yeah, you know what's interesting about Niger. Mm-hmm. So I hear Nigeria, Ni- Nigeria, Niger, Nigeria. But Ni- if you're Nigeria,
1: if you're from Nigeria, you're a Nigeria, you're Nigerian. Mm-hmm. And if you're from Niger, you're a Nigerian.
2: Well, that's thank you, colonials who created these countries <laughs> exactly. without, any, without any logic. Remember that one that one taxi episode where where.
1: Uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd's character J- is it Jim Reverend Jim? Yeah, Jim he, he has Jim like think ten TVs us. and he's watching TV. What could you possibly be watching? Well, for instance, right there, the Delaware Assembly is arguing whether to be Delawareites or Delawareans. <laughs> and, like, why is? And Judd Hirsch goes, "This is so inconsequential. What you're voting for, Delawarian?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> Funny, great, great show. Yeah, great show. but
1: yeah, right. So then you know the, the yeah the, the you know so he so. Basically, he goes on to argue that, th- that these kinds of neocon, you know, p- people who are what he thinks are classical liberals. In fact, William Crystal just tweeted out conservatives should rebrand ourselves as liberals. We're for liberal markets, liberal education, <laughs> liberal democracy. So, like, he's actually saying, you know, he's, yeah. he's, um, Gary, uh, what's his face? Who's, uh, uh, uh Aleppo? Uh, Gary Johnson said, Although he's libertarian, so different, but he did say
2: he's really a classic liberal. So he's saying well, that's part of why you know consistent. Yeah, you you uh, libertarians have what we would used to call liberal mm-hmm. positions on stuff, you know, in terms of women's choice, um, morality laws, things like that. Yeah, yeah, and this marijuana kind of, and this kind of Jeffersonian "don't tread on me," the
1: kind of agrarian sort of you know, leave me be. Like don't yeah, blame that on Jefferson. Well, yeah, there you <laughs> okay. go. so. So basically he argues that these kind of people like Crownhammer and Crystal – that they are not traditional Anglo-American conservatives, that they're classical liberals and they think that – well – and he cites I think Locke and – is it Locke and Hobbes? I'm pretty sure, right? He says that um, – that – Locke and Hobbes, yeah – that were traditional Anglo-American conservatives were empiricists and they thought – right they thought that you couldn't use every kind of government arrangement everywhere. Right. That you, you see that, how much he argues that our founders brought over from England, like a bicameral system, trial mm-hmm. by jury, a bill of rights. All these things are, are things which were in their tradition. They are modified, reformed. But he says where, where classical liberals are different than traditional Anglo-American conservatives is people like Hobbes and Locke thought that you could deduce. They, they were not empiricists, but rationalists, he argues. And, and they thought, much like, you know, you could argue, like Plato, that you could find these universal axioms that right. are true everywhere and every place and just implement them. And that's why, and emboldened by, hey, look, we had a couple totalitarian regimes like Japan and Germany, now they're free market liberal societies. Why can't it work in Iraq? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, right. Add water and stir in Iraq. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, and that's, wh- that's why you have um, the Bushes uh, diametrically opposed to Trump. And I would say if Ronald Reagan was alive, he would be mortified as well. I, you know, one of the things I think that's, that's uh, interesting going back to the founding of our country, it, it, was, it was kind of liberal in terms of like traditional religious values. But you could say that our, they, they created a constitution that had some strong conservative tendencies in it, particularly when it came to power. Yeah, in terms of the sharing of power, of limiting power, inefficiency of things. But there were, you know, the Bill of Rights was a liberal idea. Separation of church and state would have been considered a liberal idea in those days. And so there was, it was, this, that's a kind of an interesting thing because there was a pragmatism that was also that drove a lot of what the founding fathers did. I mean, including to the point of, you know, the great American sin, uh, slavery was allowed in the midst of people who were trying this great new experiment of human freedom and the belief that everyone is created equal except, at that point, women. Except most of the population. <laughs> most of the population, right. So that's a liberal idea, but with very conservative uh, implementation of it.
1: Yeah, or, or regressive. Well, you know, but that's probably historically anachronistic. But, but yeah, so I mean, what the thing that's interesting that I mean, he kind of brings together, he says, you know, classical liberalism, offers grounds for imposing a single doctrine on all nations for their own good. <laughs> for your own good. It's going to hurt you. A well, less Vietnam. Good. Vietnam's yeah. a classic. Right. Yeah, example. Yeah. 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 It provides an ideological basis for an American universal dominion. By contrast, Anglo-American conservatism has historically had little interest in putatively self-evident axioms. Conservatives want to... Translate that for people. Uh, so, so things that like... Basically they're just right everywhere. I mean just think about it. Right. It's like it's like learning algebra. You know you sit there and oh I get the formula now and of course this formula is true everywhere every place. I mean Democracy. doesn't right. Right so like there's the sense in which what he's saying is Anglo-American conservatives are really find it spurious that like there are these just things that work everywhere. Once you just you know Right, everybody's a freedom-loving people, you know. Like that's just no. That that, that they is. say he says that that um, conservatives, at least old-school, classical conservatives, want to learn from experience what actually holds society together, benefits that society together, benefits them, and destroys them. And that that empiricism has persuaded most Anglo-American conservative thinkers the importance of traditional Protestant institutions, just the independent nation-state, biblical religion, and the family. And then he points out that you know. That even though an English Protestant like Locke could, would could say, "Oh, sure, I think you know family." I mean, he writes defense of miracles and things like that. He thinks that that these things are are of course but he has no place in sort of theoretically in treatises on government stuff for them. You know, yeah, in, right. in the way in the way that traditional Anglo American serves. I mean, David Brooks, in his book The Social Animal, I, I mean, he actually he says like the best class I think he took at Princeton was the class in the British and French Enlightenment. And and what it turns out that most of modern science, depth psychology, I think is pointing out is that the British Enlightenment thinkers are right, by and large, and the French (laughs) wrong. (laughs) But but he thought, Brooks, I mean, makes a similar argument that these sort of empiricists, you know, sentiment-oriented conservatives like, um, like Hume or um, or uh, Adam Smith and be like that. They they saw the importance of sentiment, psychology, tradition, family, and they didn't try to like the French Revolution. We're just going to invent, reinvent the thing from the ground up, right. baby. And, and so I think that here he, he's saying that what he talks about this fusionist movement that William Buckley helped start that brought together these libertarians, classical liberals, traditional conservatives. And that, and Reagan talked about this. He, he, has, he has some interesting quotations from Reagan at a funeral somewhere in upstate New York of one of the prominent thinkers, mayor or something. And that he thinks that look, this thing was breaking well before Trump. Right. You know that that you you could see this and and Trump is exposing the Fisher So yeah, it's a, no Trump is neither a conservative or a classical liberal. I mean, he's a classic narcissist. Yeah. But yeah. But with with a
2: very interesting which is a, Which is a political party of one. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the one the best one. It's yeah. the greatest. Matter of fact, I don't think party. He, his I don't even think his uh you know his his kids agree with him on that at least. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning after your evening routine or while you're exercising or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Being a Patreon sponsor is really just you being a patron of an art form you enjoy and are passionate about. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David and Winona Babico, Michael Butera, Peter Stegenwald, Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham, Jordan and Danny Morseberger, Josh Redder, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Jonathan Buterin, Ben DeHart, Stephen Rowe, and Charlotte Donlin. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening and now back to the show. So, but you know that's interesting though because you know he's he's getting at this um I, I think something that that is really interesting to understand the current political moment and where um because of certain uh, realities on the ground people are you know because we're 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 at this really unique political moment people are starting to question everything and i think this fusionist movement that Ultimate climax in, in modern memory with, with Reaganism and it, that, hey, this 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 sort of um, it's like Game of Thrones. Maybe we're rearranging the houses. Right, right. right. <laughs> and and he, here's someone clearly that thinks that the William Crystals of the world. By the way, I've been listening to Bill Crystal's. <laughs> I told you earlier, Bill Crystal's podcast should be called "An Old White Guy Talking with the Mostly Other." middle-aged and older white guys (laughs) reasonably and making sense (laughs) because I'm finding it delightful. But, but I mean, he's saying that the bill crystals in the world and he have some, some substantive disagreements about the way, not just the politics should be engaged, but the way they view the world and that these were muted because of, of the cold war and things like this, That, that there were, there were realities heck, I mean, we fought with Stalin against the Nazis, right? right. So, like, you have, yeah, you know, right. you have like, like, liberals, conservatives, right. Stalin, Stalinist communists, everybody. Again, but then sometimes when common enemies disappear, right, the differences come back into relief, and so I, it's a really interesting where,
2: portrait of of problems. Where would you place, like, for instance, the fact that uh, conservative evangelicals are now almost, for the vast majority, are Trump Trumpians uh, are part of that movement? Where? How does how does that illustrate the breakdown? Well, also, I mean, I, it's interesting because. Uh, you know, uh, I just had a conversation, and I was in I was in the uh, I was in the heel of the Bible Belt today. So I was having this discussion. So I'd be interested to know what you, what how that reflects in this article. Well, I think what Trump has, in, well, first of all, evangelicals are
1: by and large statistically just partisan Republicans, and a lot of people that did not vote for Trump in the primaries decided, well, he got the nominee. I mean, if Bill Maher was the GOP nominee, a lot of evangelicals,
2: right. I, you know, they would vote for Bill Maher. And there are still a lot of them are one issue voters.
1: Right. Yeah. 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 And I, I think the culture war stuff is still alive, the politically correct stuff. I think
2: there's a, I think there's also a significant portion of those folks who don't think women should be in leadership. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, think, if, yeah, they, yeah. Well, if you can't have a woman pastor, you're sure not going to have one to be president. Yeah. So I think that that, yeah. that, but
1: it's interesting because I think John Milbank argues somewhere. I was reading something earlier where Peter Leihart was quoting him, like that, that liberalism uh, kind of Degenerates into populism very often mm. because there's there's a sort of relativism in it. and again this is milbank's often overstates things, but there might be a great truth so what I think Trump and um a lot of like kind of evangelicals have in common is they're both populists right and so right. so there's neither the kind of uh empiricism of classical conservatism nor the universalist rationalism of classical liberalism right, right. there's a kind of you know mob mentality you know yeah, there's
2: the, they're, they're they're susceptible to the shiny object
1: yeah yeah i mean and and public opinion it gener, it degenerates into
2: you know the majority rules and, and it, can, it can be but there's another looming thing that the, sometimes these movements degenerate into historically and that is totalitarianism oh yeah yeah i mean that's see that's the thing that's looming you and i talked a little bit about yeah well, <laughs> well we're not gonna repeat because who are we To disagree with a four star general, especially one that's retired
1: and speaking as the White House Chief of Staff. It was said by Miss Sarah Huckabee Sanders that that's highly inappropriate. Right. Disagreeing with somebody who made factually erroneous statements about
2: a congresswoman i mean like you know and i don't i'm not necessarily saying he was malicious in his intent no i don't think it was malicious intent. and we both have some little bit problems with her too yeah i mean she's it's yeah probably grandstands of it but like it was still wrong and, and but this yeah i mean the, the, and to do it and, and what makes it particularly dangerous is he had the moral high ground for most of the conversation yeah and that's that's problematic you know well, who was who was harry truman to question Douglas MacArthur exactly. I mean, can, can the president question the generals once they make? I mean, this is this is where a, this leads to. I mean, and you have you have a you have a a uh, shadow shadow figure as president, who the one thing he seems to respect are generals. Somebody who was a draft dodger respects the generals, and that's kind of, and that's that's a you know you have that kind of dynamic going, as well as <clears throat> you really have an oligarchy funding. Uh, some very uh, suspicious things in the country, including our EPA guy, <laughs> including the vice president. So you have an awful lot of – those of you who understand European history, there's, and I'm not insinuating it. Well, yes, I am insinuating it. You could say, in fairness, that this
1: is Bernie Sanders' critique – of the current Democratic Party, okay, oh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're the champion of, of the little guy and, and, and Main Street, and yet you seem to be bankrolled by Wall Street. No,
2: this this is the, this is the. I mean, on one level, you, we you could equally put the Clinton legacy on trial here. Oh yeah, because yeah. it's it's it is the failure of both Reagan, uh, you know, the Reagan coalition on the right. But the selling out of liberal values by the Clinton philosophy, uh, going back to Bill Clinton, uh, I think as well. So, you know, I think our situation we live in right now is a function of the failure of both political parties from an organizational standpoint, but maybe even more problematic from an ideological standpoint, which is what this article is talking
1: about. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I was telling you about something I read on Peter Layhardt's blog Where he was quoting another Milbank's piece, this is a more recent one, and he was saying that all societies have a sort of hierarchical, democratic, and then mythological sort of nature to their own constitution. So usually a a person or a group of people create the arrangements that that begin a society. But that individual or, or group of people... Can't do it without some consent from the governed because right. you know you don't start as all powerful. So, and then there's this like you know kind of give and take between those groups, and then also there's usually some sort of mythological. And I don't mean by myth I mean not true, but I, I mean a story, right. a, a truth that's usually transcendent that gives legitimacy to the to the social arrangement. And that you kind of you know just like at Passover, you kind of remember you know why is this night. Different, or at the Eucharist, you kind of, you know, you're remembered to Christ and one another through the remembrance. And he says that, you know, where liberal society is unique is that it's purely imminent in its justification. There's no, it it sort of sells itself as, hey, we're the only social arrangement that's purely rational, that we have no founding myth, that like, you know, that we're founded on (laughs) imminent, rational, self-evident principles. And the problem with that is that like that's a myth all its own. And it's a myth that's not that compelling. I mean, with Odin or Jesus or you got something that can inspire him about when you're like, Hey the the universal axioms
2: of reason, imminent, accessible to all through self evident deduction. All right, hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, you got you got Washington praying in the snow. Exactly. and, and, And Franklin and Jefferson and Madison, divinely inspired. Yeah. No, I think I think that's very. I think that's the case. And the trouble is, I think we actually founding founding myths are necessary in normal times. Yeah. But as our good friend Saint Augustine points out that uh, uh, those founding myths often are have inherent inherent falsehoods that come back to judge us with our own words. And when he, in that way, he was talking about the Roman founding myths. But we have very this republic has has as many founding myths, and we were founded on the blood of others, not unlike the Roman Empire as well. Not not nearly as brutal or unjust, but we still have our own. History.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know, if Rusty Reno wrote this piece in First Things called a couple of months ago called This Coming of the Strong Gods," which was quite good. Yes,
2: that was yeah. And
1: he was talking about the dangers of nationalism and the sort of blood, soil, heart, the, the, <laughs> which is true. yeah. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean,
2: that is that's what the Nazis did, right? Us. Yeah, right.
1: Now, I mean, and 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 I think that 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 no, Rusty and I would disagree on a lot of things politically, but I think part of the, 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 the truth, I think, in what he and the folks at First Things are saying, and I wouldn't always – I wouldn't share a lot of the implications of it, but is certain things like – Could you just say that part again? You, I wouldn't share many of the implications. <laughs> so maybe, but, but I think that, that there is something – I will sound like a real social conservative here, but there is something about family, about faith, and about the kind of bonds that things like that create that, that, that offer, um, a kind of more benevolent, transcendent grounding of social arrangements.
2: Uh, I agree. I, I, think there's parts. I mean, I wouldn't say the same way Kuiper said it, but there's. I wouldn't say anything like, like no, uh, just, but all right, but all right. Yeah, I never
1: thought I'd be more sympathetic to Rusty Reno versus well, All right. All
2: right. Well, Bonhoeffer and Bonhoeffer's mandates. Yeah. Right. Yeah, efforts, yeah. 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 No,
1: I just, I think that like that everybody. <laughs> it, that that something that conservatives remind us of is it, is that yeah that that these things are significant. And I think and I do again think part of the interesting thing about this piece, which we'll link to in the show notes, is his his this point he makes that Locke wouldn't have dismissed these social institutions, but he couldn't really find a place for them theoretically either. I mean, he right. liked them. I like it, but I can't dance right. to it. Yeah. Right.
2: Right. <laughs> So, uh, as a last thought, okay, Commodius is not going to be president forever. <laughs> so, what happens next? Yeah, oh from, from that. L- L- from L- that. L- Let me look into my crystal ball. Um, now, yeah, no, I, now I, I mean, what does this kind of, according theoretically, this breakdown? What's what's it set well, up? Well,
1: I mean, this. I think what our author here, what, uh, Mr. Um, Hazoni, who's president of the Jerusalem-based Herzl Institute, mm-hmm. you've probably walked by it because I probably have. have. Um, his book called "The Virtue of Nationalism." We published it, uh, but uh, which I understand he thinks the nation, and by that he means he thinks nation states uh, are better than the than what he's arguing are over against hegemic.
2: No, I, I would sovereignty. actually. Yeah, I, I think but maybe there's something in between, though. Maybe maybe we're not right, better. but I think all the reaction, for instance, to uh, to the EU is uh, is not all bad. So
1: yeah, I, I, yeah. So I don't know what. What, although it's funny because Mike Murphy was on Bill Crystal's podcast. He was saying that he looks at many president, presidential elections as voting for what we thought we got and didn't. So he's like, well, you know, Bill Clinton, we thought he was sort of a good old boy. And then we have Plato's retreat in the White House. So then we get, we get a, <laughs> well, a real pot, you know, sort of a good, a good way, you know, returned honor and dignity to the White House and Bush. And eh, it didn't work out. So we wanted a real nerdy professor types, brilliant guy, constitutional lawyer, casual. Oh. But we don't know if he seems uh, exceptionalist enough. So here we go. Let's get the reality TV star, tough guy. <laughs> like so, you said the
2: next person will will be no drama and high competence. Yeah. So <laughs> well, only thing I can say is, as bad as Commodious was, what followed was worse. Yeah. So we have to. Uh, we have to. Um, I think as we have to return to our values, not follow. The wind, or the shiny objects that are that seem to have won the day.
1: Yeah, and I think it's sort of politics that were infused with more grace, mm-hmm. humility, and understanding, less ideology, less <laughs> less kind of uh, yeah, less shiny objects. And and one of the things I think that, that is good about this piece is it actually offers some honest assessment of a move. No, again, this guy's got an opinion and sort sure. of. He's, you know, his, his moment. I mean, he, I'm sure for a while he's been waiting for the fusion to, to 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 erode a bit. But I think honest assessment about who we are, our own. We all have political opinions and arrangements, sure. things like that. But holding those things loosely and being able to, you know, reflect and learn from people that are saying things different
2: than you know you think or believe. It'd be nice to, and it would be nice to figure it out before millions of people die. If, we sure, if at all possible, if at all possible, because we sure didn't do that in the Middle East. No, no. So all
1: right. And on that note, friends, thank you and good evening. Good evening.